Pastor Ed Taylor on how God uses pain in our lives for his glory. God uses pain and suffering that his works might be made manifest in your life. That's a big picture look at pain and suffering. The reality that God wants to use it in your life. For some of you, God will use the pain and suffering in your life to draw you to himself for the purpose of saving your soul. And for many of you as believers, God will use the pain and suffering in your life to bring great glory to his name. This is amazing grace. Why, Lord? That's often the first question out of our mouths when we're suffering. Though we don't always get all the answers to that question, God does give us some clues about what he's up to in his word. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor speaks on the problem of pain and suffering. Maybe you're going through a really difficult time right now and trying to make sense of it all. Allow God to speak to you through his word as you join us in John chapter 9. Take your Bibles, open them to John's Gospel chapter 9. You'll recall that we finished the chapter last time we were together, and now we're going to go back and with just a little bit more focus, look at the first few verses of John chapter 9 and talk about the problem of pain and suffering. The problem of pain and suffering. The highlight or the focus, of course, is on this young man that was born blind that because of the DNA and the way that things developed and formed in the womb, he was born blind. Think of it. He's a man that never saw the color green, never experienced the movement of clouds or saw a blue sky, wasn't able to see or recognize his own parents' faces, or his own for that matter. And yet, in the presence of Jesus, he was perfectly healed. And for his life, up until this point, he needed to deal with the problem of pain and suffering. It was back in 1978 that a book was written. It was entitled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It was very popular and sold many copies. And the reason I believe it was popular is because it tapped into a question that has plagued men and women for centuries for millennia. Now, of course, 1978 is a long time ago, so what I did is I opened up my computer, typed in google.com, and I put in the problem of pain and suffering. 34 million hits came back from that simple search, the problem of evil, the problem of pain, 34 million responses, because it is still an important dilemma among us today. Often, the problem of pain and suffering is actually described this way. If God is so good, then why does he allow such great pain and suffering and injustice to seemingly rule the day? Now today I'd like to allow the Bible to answer this question, to shed light on the reality of of pain and suffering in our lives. And we've already gone through the text together, but let's revisit the beginning of chapter 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. That's the reality. That's the problem. A man 
that has experienced pain and suffering his entire life up until this moment. Now notice in verse 2, the disciples ask a question of Jesus, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's interesting to me, isn't it, that his disciples were more interested in a theological answer. They wanted to get into a theological discussion. Remember in that day, it was common, and it was really even superstitiously believed, that a baby could sin in the womb. And because of that sin, while still in the womb, would suffer the consequences of that sin the rest of their life. They were asking that question. Is this what happened? Or did his parents do something? Is he being judged by God because of the sin of his parents? Now, if those questions are relatable to you today, I'd encourage you to pick up the study of the very first time we went through this section because I answered those questions in depth. And we went through and allowed the Bible to reveal to us the explanation of Jesus in verse 3, neither. Neither one of these are the issue at all. And neither is there any such thing as some generational curse or sinning in the womb, anything like that, which we studied in depth. Jesus says in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. That's not why he's blind. Okay, Jesus, then why? And Jesus says that the works of God should be revealed in him. That, that is a large explanation to the reality of pain and suffering. God uses pain and suffering that his works might be made manifest in your life. That's a big picture look at pain and suffering. The reality that God wants to use it in your life. For some of you, God will use the pain and suffering in your life to draw you to himself for the purpose of saving your soul. And for many of you as believers, God will use the pain and suffering in your life to bring great glory to his name. You see, while he was born blind, he was healed by Jesus on that day. Instantly, his life was transformed. The purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a transformed life. That's the reason why Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again, to transform lives. For the first time here in John chapter 9, this man that was born blind is able to see. His eyes are open physically. In a few moments, by the end of the chapter, his eyes are open spiritually. Instantly, his life was forever changed. And yet in verse 2, the questions are still with us. Perhaps not these exact questions, but when we see someone going through some horrific tragedy or we ourselves experience pain and suffering, it's very natural to ask why. Why me? Why now? Why him? Why her? What happened? What's the source? What's the reason? All very normal, very natural questions. The questions in their minds, they wanted an answer. What is up with this man? Why is he blind? Why was he born blind? His whole life, why such tragedy? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' fault? You know, even back in Jesus' day, there was these thoughts of some association. And and I think we still live with it today, don't we? This association of simply this. If I do good, then good will come. That makes sense. If I do good, then I expect good to come back. Or the opposite. If someone does bad, we would expect something bad to come. And many times often that's the case, but not universally. It's not a new concept, even though we believe that today in general ways. In verse 3, Jesus declares the tragedy we see isn't because of a specific sin of a parent or, or the man. He was born this way so that God would use it for his glory. But the question still stings. 
We even have the answer here directly from Jesus. This is the, you want to know why this man, this particular man in this particular time period was born blind. He grew up that way and unable to see anything, unable to enjoy anything that you and I enjoy because we have our sight. Why? Why exactly was this man born blind? Well, this is one of the cases where God gives the answer very specifically that the works of God should be revealed in him. But the question still stings. It's still difficult. I mean, why is this man in this condition? Okay, God's going to use it, but why? Why so long? Why him? Why, why to this point where he now becomes a beggar? Why these why questions come so often, don't they? Why cancer for the third time? Why did he have to die so young? Why did she walk out? Why did my parents divorce? Why do I have this pain? Why did I lose my job? You know, in the few years of ministry that I've been able to enjoy serving people and walking in their lives through the pains and the trials of their lives, you know, that is the primary responsibility of a pastor, of a shepherd, is to walk alongside in the lives of those that are experiencing pain and tragedy. That is one of our primary responsibilities. That a family invites a pastor or a spiritual leader into their lives in order to bring the hope of the gospel into a very difficult situation. And for 20 plus years, that has been my life. To engage in families going through great personal pain and great personal tragedy. And I've watched the responses over the years. I've watched responses. You see, all of us at one time or another are going to face trial and tragedy of one sort. We're all going, this is a universal topic that touches everyone that hears my voice today. And for some over the years, really many, the pain that they've experienced has actually made them better people. B-E-T-T-E-R. It's made them better. It's strengthened their resolve, given them a sense of endurance. Their faith is stronger. Their love of God is stronger. Their purpose on the earth is stronger. They're more usable in the, in the hands of God because of the pain and the tragedy that they're currently enduring right now. That God has actually used that situation to make them better people. For others, unfortunately, pain has not made them better. Pain has made them bitter. They become very bitter. So much so that bitterness has taken up residence in their lives. The Bible warns us to be careful of bitterness, that it doesn't take root in our lives so that it defiles many around us. Unfortunately, I've watched that happen far too many times. They've even become, some, unswervingly against God in their lives. Some have used tragedies that they've experienced as justification of their rebellion against God. You ask them, why are you no longer following God? Well, because of this. And they have a story. Why are you no longer used of God? Well, you don't know what happened to me. It's hard, Ed. Have you had your mom abandon you? No, no, I haven't. Well, if you did, you'd know how I feel. And on and on that answer. Well, that answer is given in a variety of different ways because pain and tragedy hit us in all kinds of different ways. Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, he's best known for his anti-Christian attitude, unfortunately. He's a bitter man, and he's open about it. 
He's most famous, one of his most famous sayings, as he looks at Christianity as he was being interviewed, he said this, and I quote, Christianity is for losers, end quote. Of course, he didn't mean that in a good way. I think in a general sense, hey, you know what? In reality, Christianity is for those that know they have a need, those that understand that our need is for a God outside of ourselves, for the forgiveness of sins that we cannot provide ourselves. But Christianity for losers? And so he created this television network that is global and for the most part is is very liberal and anti-God in so many ways. He ends up selling it and moving on. But did you know that Ted Turner was not always anti-God? That he was a kid that went to church, a kid that worshiped God. Do you know that in Ted Turner's life, he was actually praying about becoming a missionary and investing his entire life to serve God and spread the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ? Until his sister came down with lupus. And when God didn't heal her according to his prayers, as he watched his sister suffer, he turned against God. You see, friend, maybe you're listening to me right now and something tragic has happened to you. You're at the crossroads of becoming better or bitter. That's the choice before you. You feel like today you haven't been dealt with fairly. Maybe your parents did divorce at a young age. Perhaps you were abandoned in the foster care system, taken advantage of, hurt in a way that is unspeakable, unmentionable. You are being treated unfairly. You got fired. You're having your kids or your grandkids withheld from you unfairly. Perhaps it's your disability the difficulty of your life as it is right now. It's hard to wrap our minds around these things, to to find an explanation that will satisfy the depth of our hearts. How is it fair that a loving God matched with a world of pain, they don't seem to make sense together in the fog of pain and sorrow and difficulties. So what do we do? And how do we respond? Well, for the believer... For the believer, it's very important that we turn to God's word for the answer. God has described for us the reality of the world in which we live. Let me give you a couple of realities that the Bible teaches us. Number one, sin causes a lot of pain. Sin causes a lot of pain. The Bible puts it this way. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, death. The wages of sin is death, difficulty, destruction, hardship. The origin of these things is sin. Of course, the end of that verse is that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the contrast. It is not God's fault, the tragedy in my life and yours. Since the wages of sin is death, then the road of sin is paved with stone after stone of death and difficulty and hardship and trial and agony. When we come back to this man in John chapter 9 and we ask the question, is it because of sin that he's blind? In a broad general sense, the answer is yes. Blindness comes as a result of sin. So in a broad sense, yes. The origin of the pain that you and I suffer is sin. That's the reality. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they ate of the forbidden fruit in disobedience to God, 
They forever plunged this world into sin, sickness, and death and handed down that heritage all the way to you and me. We must keep in mind, friends, that man, not God, is responsible for sin. And sin causes great pain. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, then. Just with that point, why didn't God just make us in this world in a way that would be without sin? I mean, if I was making the world, I would make it without sin. We always think we could do a better job than God. You would not do a better job than God, I guarantee it. And so why? Well, God chose to create us. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden were created with a free will, an ability to choose. Even before sin ever entered in, they could choose good or evil. They could choose right or wrong. And for a period of time that we don't know is not recorded for us, they enjoyed not only that sweetness of how God created them with free choice and free will, they enjoyed that without sin. They enjoyed God in fellowship. They enjoyed the exchange of love with God. You see, true love must exist with free choice. Otherwise, love would be forced, and forced love is not love at all. Only love that flows from choice is true love. If God would have not given us free will, it's a lot like, you know, without free will, it's kind of like the dolls you get for your kids. You pick up the doll, you push the button on the back, and what would it say? Mama. First of all, why does it always say mama? Why can't we get one that say dada? But, all right, so we pick it up, and it says, Mama, feed me, change my diaper, whatever it is. You just push the button, you know what it's going to say. Push the button, you know what it's going to say. But that's not the case for you and I. You don't turn you around and push the button. There's no button in your back. You make and say, you make the choices that you make, and you say what you want to say, and you do what you want to do, and you and I, we, we experience the benefits of those choices or the consequences. If God would have not given us free will, we would have been just mere robots, pre-programmed without any natural response, and thus not able to truly enjoy what true love is. So number one, sin causes great pain. Man is responsible. Secondly, tragedies and pain happen to all of us. To all of us. We live in an era of horrific tragedies. Things that no other generation has ever seen. Cataclysmic events. Terrorism at an all-time high. The, the attacks and bombs. And, and you can't even in our own city, you can't even now go into a movie theater without just a quick thought. I wonder if it'll happen again. That's our own city. People died in our city. People in your own church, over 40 people of your own church were in one of those two theaters in your own fellowship right here. Tragedy. Unspeakable, unthinkable things. I'm not sure how you get your news, but most of us get our news now by an app or online. And if you get a newspaper still at your front door, this will work. You pull out your newspaper, you go to your favorite news app. I did this last night just to test it before I went to bed. I I did this last night. I pulled out my favorite news app. I just started going through. And you know what I read? Story after story of the consequences and the pain of sin in our city, in our region. I didn't even go to the world section. I just read the articles here in the metro area. 
of this tragedy and this bank robbery and this house being blown up and this guy ripping somebody off and this murder and these fugitives and on and on and on it goes. In a broad sense, sin has wrecked every fiber of society. Notice with me, would you turn over to Luke chapter 13? Jesus addresses this. He says it as well. Jesus establishes the reality that tragedy happens to everyone. It's not because you're a worse sinner than anyone else. It's not because of the judgment of God. It's because we live in a sin-sick world that's been touched and tainted by sin. So often we're experiencing the consequences of our own sin, for sure. And yet at the same time, we will often experience the consequences of someone else's sin. It had nothing to do with us. And yet it expressed, it's expressed within our life with the circle of life. I mean, some of you are praying right now for your kids. They're backslidden. They're not walking with the Lord. They're strung out on drugs. And that's not the way you raised them. That's not the way you instilled in them. And yet because of their sin, you're losing sleep at night. You're wondering if they come home. You don't know what they're into. You're worried about them. It's hard. It's hard. And you think, God's judging me. No. Your kids are making bad decisions. And we need to keep praying. I mean, every time I hear a story of such, I, I always rem- I'm always reminded the prodigal son came home, man. You hold on to that promise. You pray whatever it takes, bring him home. Whatever it takes. We've been wrestling with the problem of pain and suffering today on Abounding Grace and hearing what God has to say about it. We hope you were encouraged by what Pastor Ed Taylor had to say. Now, if you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Erwin Lutzer's excellent book, How to Break a Stubborn Habit, when your decision to change is not enough. This is a must-read for anyone who struggles with getting rid of a nasty habit. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. Pastor Ed, as you were speaking about the problem of pain and suffering today, I was reminded of your blog at edtaylor.org. You share raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief, correct? Yeah, you know, Larry, I have been writing on my blog now, dating back almost to the time that our son Eddie passed away. And I needed an outlet to share my emotions, to share a biblical perspective. And we launched this blog, edtaylor.org. Make sure it's org, not .com. The funny thing about .com is there's a professional Santa Claus by the name of Ed Taylor, and he owns that domain. So don't go to .com. You're like, whoa, this guy's a lot older and looks like Santa Claus. Yeah, that Ed Taylor does. But my writing is at edtaylor.org. And just recently, as I was hosting our live radio broadcast here uh, in Colorado that goes around 
the country, perhaps even on the station you're listening to right now, a brother had called and asked about, uh, or we were talking about grief and talking about difficulties, and I I was reminded of an article I wrote, five things not to share with your grieving friend. Uh, and and really five things that were shared with me. It can be very painful. And then I give an alternative. And I reminded him that I write a lot on the topic of grief, and not just grief, ministry, spiritual leadership. I think developing and discipling is a big part of the ministry here. So I write on those things as well. Uh, and uh, we're working on a a, re, a completely over a complete overhaul of our of the blog, uh, and I can't wait to launch it. But until then, uh, our blog is up. I know to encourage you, edtaylor.org. There you can email me through the, the website. You can also request uh, if you'd like me to come out and share at your church, minister to a group. Uh, we consider all those invitations. You can do that through the website as well. God bless you guys. So stop by edtaylor.org today and read Pastor Ed's very latest posts. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in the Gospel of John here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.